When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alrighty, welcome back to the Celtics Lab podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. I am Cameron Teptabai. I'm joined by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. The Boston Celtics will be hosting the Philadelphia 76ers later this week, so we thought it was a good time to check in on the pecking order in the Eastern Conference and to talk about those 76ers. So to do exactly that, we welcome in friend of the podcast from Sixers Wire and USA Today, SMG, Kai Carlin. Kai, what is up? What's going on, guys? How we going? Long time no see. Um, we're we're doing good at basketball. Last time we talked, uh, actually, when was the last time you were on the podcast? Probably the playoffs, right in April. Thereabouts, yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh. So it's been a yeah. minute. Well, welcome back. We have um, a revamped 76ers team to talk about. Uh, Very so much as so. It, as I teased off the jump, we're going to do the whole Eastern Conference. And as we are wont to do, we'll start with the news. So that's our agenda for today. But Kai, because we haven't talked to you in a while, how are you feeling about the no look, new look, <laughs> no look, <laughs> the no look, 76ers, the new look post James Harden 76ers? You've had a few weeks to digest. What do you think? Um, They're obviously a lot more entertaining. Like I will say that they're a lot more fun, a lot more entertaining. There's a lot more. Uh, you know, interesting, like, aspects about this team. Like, I love the Tyrese Joel pick and roll. I love the addition of Nick Batum. Um, obviously, Kelly Oubre was great before his injury. Uh, that was a tragic thing that happened to him. Hopefully, he'll be back soon. But Oubre Jr. looks really good. Batum looks great. Covington, um, you know, looks like he could be a nice addition to the bench. Marcus Morris is kind of beginning to round into form. So they've been a lot of fun. Patrick Beverly has brought a lot of uh, different dynamics, I will say, to the Sixers a little bit. Um, but for me, nothing changes. Uh, round two. I like they're out round two. And it's just because everything comes down to the big fella. Um, and as, as amazing as Joel is, he's a top five player. He has shown in the past he hasn't been able to produce in the playoffs like, you know, like other superstars have. Now, granted, He's one really good deep playoff run away from, you know, reaching into that next stratosphere. But he's shown in the past that he hasn't been able to do that. So it all comes down to the big fellow to me. Tyrese is taking the next step, but it comes down to Joel. I'm curious, um, what's your assessment of the Nick Nurse era more so than anything? Um, from a from a media standpoint, I love Nick Nurse. He, he's been he's been very transparent, like, you know, with us, you know, practices and um, and in games and, and such. So uh, I, I like I like what I'm seeing from there. And you have to love what you're seeing on the court. Right. I mean, they're they're 12 and five. Um, Tyrese and Joel have played very well, you know, in a pick and roll. Um, the, the guys have understood, like, where to cut within that offense. He's encouraging ball movement. And it's been fun 
seeing what type of defensive schemes Nurse comes up with from possession to possession. Um, it really is interesting because I'll give you an example. Against the Lakers on the 27th, they started out in a man-to-man. Anthony Davis got up to a really hot start. They switched to a 2-3 zone. After a while, Lakers figured that out. They switched to a 2-1-2 zone. And it, it was it was kind of – it's really been kind of fascinating to really see what Nick Nurse decides to dial up. Again, not just on a nightly basis, but on a just possession-by-possession possession basis. He comes up with something new. It's very interesting. It feels like in the matchups that the Celtics and the Sixers have played, obviously it's not the playoffs yet, so nothing really matters. But the first couple of matchups, there's definitely more variety defensively that I think we saw in those games. And I think going forward, you know, the biggest thing for the Celtics-Sixers matchups in the past is that the Celtics have always kind of been able to hunt and bead and draw him out into the perimeter and it seemed, at least in those first two games, that Nurse was doing a better job than Doc Rivers trying to adapt to that. Obviously, in a seven-game pressure cooker, that's a different ball game. But I'm curious to see how that develops over the course of the year. Well, to that point, they can't necessarily really do that anymore because they have, I think, better personnel than maybe in that series that we just saw these teams play uh, you know, six months ago. So I think having Batum in there changes things. I think having Ubre Jr. in there changes things. They're both very long, lengthy defenders. A lot of people want to point to P.J. Tucker um, and, and just be like, oh, P.J. Tucker makes a big difference, and he does. The difference is P.J. is also 38. Batum is 35, but three years is a big difference. You know what I mean? So yeah. um, especially, especially in this league. So I feel like Batum makes a little bit better – he just fits a little bit better, really, on both ends of the floor. He's got a quick trigger from three on the offensive end. He puts the ball on the floor. He knows how to make an entry passage well. So, uh, yeah, I think Batum has been a terrific pickup. Um, and again, it'll be interesting to see, man, uh, when the schedule turn or the calendar turns to April and May, just to see if all these adjustments and changes actually pay off. I will say, it doesn't look like it's paying off for the Clippers. Things things look really bad for that team right now. And, you know, it's so interesting. It really is. And I think it's just because, um, you know, they made the decision to move Russell Westbrook to the bench. But, I mean, I'm telling you, like, I thought Westbrook played really well for the Clippers last year when they when they brought him in. And I thought he played very well this year, the first couple of games before the Harden trade. And it's just, I understand why they made it. Harden is an elite playmaker. I, I don't understand it at all because they were already playing well. It's just like you have a known troublemaker who has gone from team to team to team creating problems. And what's happening now? I mean, he's not asking out yet, but uh, it sure isn't going well. No, it's not going well. But I, I do understand why they made the move. Just because, again, we're talking about a guy who can um, – he is an elite playmaker. So, I mean, led the league in assists last year. Um, he's not the same explosive scorer. Uh, I think I think he thinks he still is like that's the that's the the big difference. Um, but he still is a, a, a very good player. I just I'm very curious to see, though, like what like like what happens um, as that team moves forward. But they're not better than Denver. You know what I mean? They're not they're not better than Phoenix. Um, and I know we haven't seen Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant on the floor just yet. But I think Phoenix is better than them. Golden State is going to give them a lot of issues. Um, uh, Minnesota, you know, the Timberwolves are, you know, they're their number one defensive team in the league. So just the Clippers to me are just like, eh, 
round two for you guys too. Congratulations. So it, it doesn't get them any closer. Round two, it might be a stretch. The defense there is is tough. Oh um, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Alex, it's I believe that I I believe I beat Bobby to the punch. Uh, is that be, so? I think so. Um, and the, what I'm talking about, Kai, I'm going to turn our attention to Celtics news for a moment, is that Drew Holiday and Derek White are back in the lineup tonight is Tuesday night. They're playing another very sad team, the Chicago Bulls, and Drew Holiday's back from a little bit of an ankle sprain. Um, Kai, you talked a little bit about some of the challenges or limitations that the Sixers have. I'm going to talk to Justin and Alex, but Kai, hop in if, if you got takes we might've seen some of Boston's limitations against Orlando over the weekend where it just looked like the magic kind of had the Celtics licked. Justin, what about this magic team? Uh, first of all, works for them, but second of all, uh, might be a problem for Boston. What kind of vulnerabilities does Boston have? Ego mostly. Uh, I think that the Celtics are still thinking about Orlando as the team we thought they would be coming into the season, you know, foreshadowing a little bit of what we'll be talking about later, but also the fact that this Orlando team really wanted to beat the Celtics on a night where they're down two of their starters and one of the starters is still recovering from an illness. So not to make excuses, the effort wasn't there where it should have been even considering all of those things. Uh, but teams that junk it up teams with length, teams that are, are willing to go hard at Boston are going to give them trouble. And if they don't respect teams, as we have said in seasons past, then they're going to lose games. Thankfully, uh, it was one game and hopefully an isolated problem. Okay, I want to pause the action here and tell you that you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, and you can take a look at things like spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager is required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonuses are issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. Hope is here. Gambling help line ma.org or call 800-327-5050 24-7-SUPPORT. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Okay. Back to the action. I'm going to push Alex. back. Yeah, I'm going to push back just a tiny bit on that, Justin, in that even though the Celtics might have been overlooking, I, I think that's probably... I know where you're going. I know exactly um, where you're going. It's just that last year, the Celtics struggled with the Magic a lot. I mean, this was a really difficult matchup for them. And I think in general, you know, basketball ultimately does boil down to matchups more than anything else. Um, Orlando is... For real, guys, I don't know if you've noticed this, but that is a real basketball team that Jamal Mosley is working with down there. They're long, they're super physical, and they're really tough uh, on the defensive end. I think Wagner and Paolo have been playing out of their minds. Now, obviously, we got burned by a different Wagner uh, this time <laughs> around, and that is profoundly upsetting to me as a 
big Mo Wagner hater. I hated him on the Celtics, hated him before the Celtics. I'm generally not a huge fan of his game at all. Um, but I think there is really something to be said for size and physicality being a problem for the Celtics, particularly we saw it last year in the Eastern Conference Finals against Miami. When Miami really mucked the game up, when Jimmy Butler started going into guys' chests, when Bam Adebayo started pushing Al Horford around, this team really struggled. And I think if there's anything that we've seen that disrupts Boston over the past few years, it's when you just hammer them and really play a physical, intense game that gets them out of their flow, that gets them out of good possessions. Boston has typically been okay in these matchups, but they haven't really been outstanding. And I think this is part of what this team is going to have to work through from an identity standpoint if they really want to be a title-winning team, which I think the expectation is. Like Boston has got to develop a little bit of heft there. To that end, I would suggest perhaps that Boston consider amplifying their front court a little bit as part of their moves. To that end, I would suggest, and I have been this whole time, that the Boston Celtics might want to consider using the Grant Williams TPE on Andre Drummond when the Bulls inevitably fall apart because Andre Drummond is huge. And I know that he has glaring flaws in his game. I know that he is not a good free throw shooter, but that guy is very large. And if you want to beat teams like the Magic, you're going to need large guys to do it. I thought you were going to talk about uh, Keita. I've I mean, he did in a roundabout way, just not directly. I, I do. We'll, we'll save that for later. Sure. Um, I will remind listeners that I selected Mo Wagner early in our expansion draft, so I'm just going to keep tooting my own horn. <laughs> Hi. Uh, we won't see Porzingis on Friday. I don't think he's out uh, with an injury that is a, was a calf injury. Yeah, calf strain, they said probably Friday at the soonest. I think it's probably going to be a little longer than that. Sure. So we won't get any more action between um, Porzingis and Embiid. But we have been interested in Porzingis because his offense around the rim is a really big and new deal for the Celtics. But his defense around the rim has been kind of problematic. What have you seen from either the matchups that we have seen between Porzingis and Embiid or just from this new look Celtics front court in general? Um, before I touch on that, Alex, Mo Wagner's the GOAT. So <laughs> like, like I, I will not accept any Mo Wagner slander as a as a Michigan man. This is I'm not I'm I'm not I'm not accepting it. Um but no the, the Porzingis and Bead matchups are they've kind of been interesting because Porzingis obviously is really the only one of the few guys in the league who can actually match up with Embiid size wise with him being seven three. But Porzingis is I, I don't know, like He's he's just to me he's more of a power forward, like just because he he shoots the ball so well he's got the skills of a guard, um and, and such a ginormous body and I think that's what makes him so unique as a basketball player because he shouldn't be doing what he's doing at seven foot three, um, so I I love Porzingis's game I think he's perfect for the Celtics but in terms of his matchups with Joel, Joel is a Joel's a smart basketball player like that's something a lot of people kind of. You know, they, they don't talk about too much. It's just like he's so – his IQ really is high. Um, he does a lot of he, – he commits a lot of dumb turnovers, but I think it's just because it's him trying to, like, make the, the play after the play that's right in front of you. It's like he's trying to, like, skip steps. So, he like, he does that often. But 
it's just because he just he sees the game a little differently, and I just don't I just don't think Porzingis can really match up with him like that. Uh, which is why, again, when you between when you talk in Boston, Philadelphia, Al Horford, bring in Al Horford, just bring him in. Um, <laughs> and I don't think I don't I don't think Al. It's not like Al just like shuts him down one on one. It's just the schemes the Celtics can throw at him as a as a as a team and just like their length. Um, Al being the physical defender that he is, and combined with Tatum and, and and Brown and Derek White, Drew, and it just it doesn't matter. The Celtics can just throw a bunch of pieces at you. And that's something the Sixers have really got to figure out. Um, and again, I, I think it's all going to come down to Tyrese Maxey. It always comes down to him, especially in these matchups with the Celtics, because the Celtics have had such a that they've been really great at defending him. I know Maxi scored a lot of points against the Celtics this year, but he's still not shooting the ball well. It's been poor efficiency. Um, he's he's still trying to get around the physicality that the Celtics throw at him, and and I think it's Joel's going to be Joel. It's just it comes down to Tyrese, in my opinion. Everything the Sixers do when it comes to these Celtics matchups comes down to Tyrese Maxi. Uh, I just sorry, I just wanted to jump one more thing in that Sixers Celtics matchup really quickly, which is I think an underrated part of that matchup for Boston is that Al Horford is able to focus almost entirely on defending Joel Embiid because guys, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Jason Tatum is currently rebounding the absolute crap out of this ball. Um, this guy is now currently averaging a career high almost like just shy of nine rebounds per game. And I think a huge underrated factor in the Celtic Sixers matchup is that Tatum is crashing the glass extremely hard, which also gives him the benefit of being able to initiate the offense with the ball in his hands. I think it's a hugely important and overlooked storyline as to why Boston has succeeded in the moments that it has this year. Tatum's rebounding is quietly essential to this team. You have the rebounding numbers in front of you. Uh, he is currently averaging eight point nine, just shy of nine rebounds a game. Where's is... Where's Drew at? Because I think Drew's rebounding is equally uh, important to the Celtics. That's a good question. Celtics I'll, team. I'll pull that up. Um, while we do that, I'm going to ask Kai a quick question. Then I'm going to ask Justin a quick question. Then I'm going to riff Kai. If Tyrese Halliburton is the fastest player on the court for Sixers Celtics, who is the second fastest? Because it's so. It, the reason I ask is because Maxi is so clearly the fastest. You, you said Halliburton there. I, that's why I was confused initially. Did I? Yeah, you said Tyrese Halliburton, so I was like confused oh, initially. Oh, oh. But then you oh, corrected. I was like, Where is this going? <laughs> I had, right, I had right. quick guards running around my brain. I guess. Okay, no, listen, Tyrese Maxi is the fastest player Sixers Celtics. And maybe if Halliburton got in, it would be close, but it's not because that's not a player on either of those teams. Who's the second fastest, Sixer or Celtic, you think? Yeah, mm-hmm. I couldn't think of one either. I, th- that's Derek. how fast I think. The answer is Derek. Anyway. I, mean, I, I don't think mm-hmm. of Derek is that fast. I don't either. Um, I don't know. I'm going to keep an eye on But I don't think it comes down to like really – speed like um again like these matchups come down to the fact that boston has capable defenders who they mesh well together there's chemistry and that's something that the sixers really don't have at the moment like like i understand it a lot of people always call for boston to break up that core you know it's it's whatever but like brown tatum orford white even 
because uh, White was on the 2022 finals team, right? That's when Boston picked him up at the deadline. Mm-hmm. That, that was the year. Yeah. Yeah. So th- they, they've been with each other for multiple years. Like these guys know each other like the back of their hand. That really does make a big difference when it comes to making deep playoff runs, sticking together in, in adversity in the postseason, sticking together through big moments. The Sixers really don't have that. I mean, I understand, like, they have Joel, they have Tyrese, and they have Tobias. And, you know, that core has been together for a while. But it's like the the, the pieces around them continue to change. You know what I mean? Like, like this year, they added Nick Batum, Kelly Oubre, Marcus Morris, and, and just, you know, and, and, and everything else in between when it comes to building, you know, the roster around those three players. And I think with the Sixers, it's just like, you know, the chemistry is another issue that I bring up when it comes to Eastern Conference hierarchy. The Sixers really don't have it. So I think I think I think chemistry is an underrated um, aspect when it comes to stuff like this. It's why I, I rate Miami very high. Um, it's why I rate Boston very high. Milwaukee got knocked down a letter to me. Just well, hold on, hold the phone. Obviously, they got Damian Lillard, but no, that, but no chemistry. No chemistry. That's the whole second half of the pod, Kai. Hold on, hold on. Hold oh, on. I apologize. <laughs> um, really quick before we dip into the second half of the pod, um, Drew Holiday averaging seven and a half rebounds per game, which is kind of astonishing. But yeah, no, one of the kind of secrets to the Celtics' success this year has been that as a team, they are actually rebounding quite well. Now, I will say that the numbers look good. There are moments when the rebounding goes cold, which is a real problem, like against the Orlando Magic, for example. And so I do not think that Boston's rebounding prowess is a perfect finished product yet. But Drew Holiday and Jason Tatum are certainly doing their part. Let me just throw into that. Probably I got the idea of Derek White being fast from NBA 2K, who in the last iteration ranked him the fastest Celtic and seventh fastest player in the league. That may have absolutely nothing to do with reality. Uh, You would know better than I can, but uh, that's probably where that little mind fart came from. All right. Well, things have completely gone off the rails. So let me say two things. First of all, I hate the in-season tournament. It is a bad product. It's stupid. I love it. I no, 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 so no. Much. You have no idea. I love how some much of it. I, I hate do. some of it. I love the in season. I hated it initially. I thought it was going to be a stupid idea, but I love it. I think it's incredible. What do you like? The the courts that don't work or having to do math the whole time? Dude, I'm not doing the math. Other people, <laughs> Other people do it for us. Yes, exactly. Yeah, look, like, look, look. We're, we're the courts have to go. The courts have we're, to go. Yeah, look, we're sports journalists. We're not mathematicians. No, let, 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 let the let the math people f- figure that out. No, I I, I love the courts. Whoa. I'm with you. Um, the, well, the Bulls one sucks. The, Bull, the Bulls one is not good at all. But, and obviously there are other clunkers, like Phoenix's, for example, and New Orleans's. Um, yeah, that one sucks. And Boston's is meh. But yeah. I liked Philadelphia's, like seeing it in person. Like After seeing it in the initial photos, I was like, ew, this sucks. But then, like, seeing it in person, I was like, okay, this is actually not bad. And then I traveled to Detroit for their, that in-season tournament game, the first in-season one for Philly. Detroit, I didn't understand the gray because, like, where do you find the gray in, in, in terms of pistons and things like that? But the orange down the middle looked clean. I liked it. Um, I also think these guys are taking it seriously. Like, listen, um, I understand why they did it. People, the, the casual fan, which – 
I think the casual fan makes up about 90% of NBA fan bases. I really do. Mm -hmm. Because you're not going to tune in and watch all 82 games. You're just not. So the casual fan needs something around this time of the year because nobody gives a damn about the NBA this time of the year. It's all about football, 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 football. And especially me living in Philadelphia, the Eagles own this entire area. It doesn't matter. So you got to attract fans. And the numbers don't lie. I think I saw something that, like, they're up 55 million views compared to around this time last year. Numbers don't lie. It's in, I think it's awesome. Getting These guys actually care. Dang, I didn't know about the viewership numbers. Uh, I've done my take on the in-season tournament a year before. But, okay, fine. You got the numbers to back it up, you, you mathematician. Um, yeah. Hey, listen, again, I didn't do it. I, I saw I saw it on, you know, ESPN's, you know, viewership or whatever the hell the report they put out. Well, they got to sell a new TV deal. So, hey, if it works. Um, OK, let's close the news with uh, I got engaged. That was that's the most important news. How's that? Yay, OK, good job. Thank you. Thank you. Into the lab we go. Everyone put on your safety goggles. Uh, circuitous <laughs> route to get here, but here we are. Um, we're going to look at the state of the Eastern Conference. I think we've talked enough about the Celtics, Celtics and Sixers. We'll double back a little bit here. But uh, we're going to work with the tiers that, Dr. Quinn, you cooked up, and I'll let people agree or disagree with them. So we're going to look at the entire conference, but to the benefit of time, we're, we're going to move pretty quick. These are the teams that we think are about where we expected them to be. So Boston is the, and it's early, the uh, one spot in the standings. Philadelphia is number three. Indiana's number six, and Brooklyn is number 10. Anyone surprised by any of those? Give me some. To... Give me well, some. Gonna... Okay. Yeah, but they, they stink. They okay. stink. <laughs> Fair enough. But we well, thought okay. they were going to stink. So we thought that Boston was going to be good. So far, so good. We thought Philly was going to be pretty good. So far, so good. We thought Indiana uh, was going to also be good. But the difference between fourth and sixth is still pretty small. Yeah. Um, I bet Brooklyn is worse than consensus, but I think this quartet knew that. And then Toronto is bad. Charlotte is bad. Washington is bad. And some of us were high on Detroit going into the season. Others. I think they were going to be bad. I just didn't expect them to be quite this bad, but I did expect them to be a lottery team. I, you know, I I was, I was kind of hoping that they would, you know, not be playing Killian Hayes and James Wiseman as much as they have been. It seems to me that Detroit has some good players on this team that are currently uh, being actively cannibalized by, well, not so good players. So uh, I think Detroit's, I'm I'm still perhaps foolishly somewhat optimistic on them, but Monty Williams, maybe sort out your rotation a little bit there, boss. Get some shooting. Right, that's the hometown team. What do you think? Yeah. For me, for me with Detroit, it's, it's poor roster construction. And, and Alex was just kind of alluding to it. Is this and Justin, you too? They they don't have any shooters around Cade Cunningham. You know, I saw something crazy today. So he's averaging seven point one assists on the year, which is really good. He, according to NBA tracking stats, he should be averaging fourteen <laughs> because That's... he's passing to Killian Hayes. Yeah, and, and, and Asar Thompson, and, and I love Asar Thompson, but Asar Thompson can't shoot. But he's an elite defender. Asar Thompson is terrific. I think that kid is going to be awesome. He just can't shoot yet, and he's going to eventually develop a shot. You can you can tell it's there. But the point is, Cade is doing everything he possibly can, but he's got nobody to pass it to. And even Jaden Ivey, and Ivey is terrific as well, but Ivey's strength is not shooting. 
kind of Ivy's Ivy strength is handling the ball and getting to the basket and making plays that way. So no, I think it's poor roster construction. And I think the GM Troy Weaver needs to kind of look himself in the mirror and be like, yo, I, I need to help Cade Cunningham because you're wasting Cade Cunningham. You really are. You're wasting him. He's averaging 27 and five, I think on a really, really awful team. Um, it's kind of crazy. It's like they have to start. Yeah. They're four and 37 since the trade deadline, four and 37. Over the course of an 82-game season, that's 8-74. and 74. That's on pace for that. That's embarrassing. That's historically bad, yeah. That's, yeah. And, and, and they smokes. should That's lockout Hornets bad. bad. And they shouldn't be that bad. Uh, I think Monty Williams, I think, is the right guy for that job. I really do because he's shown in the past, not just with Phoenix, but a lot of people forget about his days with um, coaching New Orleans. Um, mm-hmm. He has shown in the past that he can work with young talent and – and change cultures and get guys in the right direction, but he needs a roster to work with. And I think Troy Weaver needs to realize, Hey, I need shooting. And I understand Boyan Bogdanovich hasn't played yet. I understand that Joe Harris has been in and out of lineup with injuries. Uh, I get it. But if you're Troy Weaver, you still need to go out and get shooters because even with Boyan and Joe Harris, that's not enough. It's not. I just Jalen Duran is good. Like he should be the guy that plays. Why are we doing the James Wiseman thing? Well, Duran starts. Not like, like, like Duran does start. It's it just should like Duran and Stewart. Those should be the only bigs that play meaningful minutes for this Pistons team. Well, maybe Bagley. a little Bagley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought. I think. I think Bagley's been okay, but I agree on Wiseman. I think Wiseman would be better off, you know, on on another team and get like more opportunity that way. But yeah, I mean. Kid, it says they're in a tough, tough spot, and I think Kate Cunningham, you know, he deserves a better roster. I don't think any team wants to be bad enough to start James Wiseman right now. Um, I am interested if Bogdanovich and Harris are both healthy, that changes things for Cade pretty good. So Detroit is down on its luck. They might finish at the bottom of the barrel just because of how poorly they've come out of the gate, but I suppose there's room for improvement. I'm going to jump ahead. We talked about Orlando, definitely the most surprising team in the East. I think we've covered that. Dr. Quinn, you have that um, these teams are disappointing the basketball gods. And I would put Chicago in the, they are who we thought they were. They are just as bad as advertised, even the most hopeful. I thought they were going to be flirting, at least in the early part of the season, with maybe having the potential to be a play-in team, but ha ha ha, no. No, I mean, I, I guess I didn't think that the mood around the Bulls would be this bad this quick, but I think the roster, those puzzles. So that we didn't think they were fit. bad. They are just supremely bad. They might be the worst team in terms of like vibes, internal vibes anywhere in the East. Yeah, it's them and the Clippers to see who's going <laughs> to blink first, I suppose. Um, let's do Cleveland and Atlanta really quick. So they're the eight and nine seed right now. Um I'll do it this way. Which team is more likely to make some noise in the Eastern Conference playoffs, Cleveland or Atlanta? Kai? Uh, Atlanta. And the reason why I say that is because they've been to the Eastern Conference Finals. And, I mean, I know they've been down ever since that Conference Finals appearance. They they lost to Miami as the eighth seed in 2022. Uh, they lost to Boston as a seventh seed in 2023. Um, but it, like – the point is, I think Quinn Snyder is a terrific coach. And I think that when you look at that roster up and down, uh, Trey Young is still a very dangerous point guard in this league. So um, if, you, if you're asking me, I would say the Hawks. 
But it wouldn't surprise me if it was the Cavs. I mean, Donovan Mitchell is a proven playoff performer. He didn't, he wasn't very good against the Knicks last year in round one, but he showed with the Jazz that he's one of the better playoff performers in the league. So if it were to be the Cavs, it wouldn't be too much of a shock. But if you're asking me right now, uh, I would say the Hawks. Uh, also, real quick, I do want to correct myself. I said Cade should, uh, yeah, NBA tracking said Cade should have been averaging 14 assists. He should have been averaging 13.1 assists. So I, I was off with that one. I apologize. I read that wrong. So we don't we, we don't do math as we've established. So that's okay. yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so either way, K should be averaging a lot more assists than what he's averaging right now. But still, um, but yeah, the Hawks would be my answer to that one, Cam, for sure. I, I I I think you're totally right on that. Just to chime in really quickly, and I also think to to the Hawks' point, the Hawks have had the fourth hardest schedule in the league so far, um, and they are 500, and that's without Trey Young shooting particularly well. I am totally bullish on a Hawks resurrection, particularly over the middle to latter half of the season. I feel like the shooting variance is going to sort itself out. Jalen Johnson being hurt is a problem for this Hawks team. He's really good and fairly essential to them having the size on the perimeter to really make an impact. But once he gets healthy and once Trey, I think is, I think Trey is due for some positive regression on his shooting. Once that starts to sort itself out, I am extremely bullish on this Hawks team and remain bullish until proven otherwise. Great. Dr. Quinn, the Hawks have it, or do you think Cleveland is the more dangerous team? I think Cleveland has the same issue where they're a very talented team on paper, but there's just something not clicking with Donovan Mitchell. I, th- I honestly think they would be better off moving Donovan Mitchell for more complimentary pieces than they have at the moment. And honestly, I'm surprised that the Hawks are are where they are in the standings at present. Uh, when they came here to Mexico City, they, they looked every bit a playoff team. Uh, they're flirting with a play-in uh, bit at the moment. So I think I have to agree, though I don't necessarily think that just because Cleveland is bad now that they can't make some moves that will improve them. I don't think they're going to move Donovan, to be clear, but they could make that team a little bit better balanced. I think both teams would be interesting trade candidates, whether or not that's the right move for them. I mean, they're both probably pretty desperate to make a deep playoff run. Uh, A team that's kind of in a similar camp, but... I think has an obvious ceiling would be the Knicks who are the seventh seat right now. I just, I don't think the Julius Randall thing makes any sense. Uh, he, he doesn't seem like he enjoys playing for the Knicks. The Knicks don't seem like they enjoy playing with him, but he is a huge part of what they do until proven otherwise. So I, I kind of think even though the Knicks are seventh, I think of those three, they're the team with the least punch. Anyone want to take a pro Knicks stance before we move on? I think if they um, get some of the Randall problem that they could, depending on who they brought in, if they could find a good trade partner for that, then there is some real potential there. But I think they're going to be keeping their powder dry for a bigger move in the off season. Um, I would see with the Knicks is just like, it's interesting because Jalen Brunson's awesome. Yeah. Like, like J- Jalen Brunson is awesome. And I love Mitchell Robinson. And I love DiVincenzo and, and Josh Hart and Quentin Grimes. Like, like, RJ Barrett is is beginning to really grow on me, who I didn't like at the beginning, but he's really beginning to grow on me. And then there's Julius Randle, who is just like, it's just like, dude, like, like the shots he takes is crazy. Um, it, 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 it's I don't know. He's just he's very, I think he's a very good player. I really do. 
But then there, there are other things that he does where it's just like, dude, what are you doing? My, 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 it's like my brain just explodes. Like, Julius, no. I was at the Knicks Celtics uh, home opener for the Knicks, and Julius Randle was booed by home fans. On yeah, it's not surprising. It's New York. <laughs> Uh, I, I think New York's a simulation. Every time I go up there uh, for whenever the Sixers have to play the Knicks or or the Nets, it, shout out Sharif Keaton over at Nets Wire. Uh, but, but I mean, I, New New York and New York is a simulation. I don't like it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, well, let's move on. I will say my favorite line about the NBA is Julius Randle plays hoops like he's wearing jeans. Ah! I, I haven't heard such a, like a summative quip in a while. Okay, so That's I think funny. we think uh, the Celtics are real contenders. Kai, you think that the Sixers have a ceiling, but they could also make a move. So we'll we'll give them their flowers. We'll say they're contenders for a deep playoff run. The two teams, the two yeah. teams that I don't think we know enough about right now are the Milwaukee Bucks, who stumbled but now are third in the standings, and the Miami Heat, who have stumbled and are now five in the standings. Miami has had a particularly tough schedule and have played a lot of road games. So let's start with the Bucks. Kai, I'll go to you. If you are a Bucks fan, what's your level of concern, if at all, um, vis-a-vis their status as a contender? Uh, okay. So I think the issue is still defensively. I mean, I think it's obvious, right? They, they, they've been an absolute mess on that end of the floor. Um, I also... I'm also very curious to see how this team would look at Mike Boonholzer was still coaching him. And it's such a shame that he got fired. And and I get it. They got just they got boat raced by the eight seed, you know, in round one. Um, you know, they lost in five. <laughs> they pretty much lost to to one guy. His name is yeah. Jimmy Butler. So um, so I understand it, but I, I it's a it's a shame Boonholzer isn't coaching this team. So I feel like if Boonholzer was coaching Dame Lillard, Malik Beasley, Giannis, uh, Brooke Lopez, and all these guys, I feel like that they, they they wouldn't like have the same concerns that we're having about them right now. And it's not a knock on Adrian Griffin. I'm not saying that. Adrian Griffin, I think, is he was I think he's a very good coach. I'm not saying he isn't, but I just Bootenholzer is obviously, you know, he is who he is. He's got a title on his resume, coach of the years, multiple. Um, and he's a he's a terrific coach. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably the one thing that's concerning is the defense with that Milwaukee team. But you got Damian Lillard and Giannis, so that kind of X's out a lot of issues. Doctor Quinn, where are you at with? Yeah, Doctor Quinn, where are you at with the Bucks? I don't have too much more to add. I think Kai really nailed everything that I'm thinking about this team. I'm wondering if they can find some cheaper wing defense. Somewhere at the trade deadline, they do not have much to work with, but they might find a team that is looking to shed some salary because they are not going to be in the running for what they thought they were uh, at the deadline. That's really the only the only way I see them being a top tier contender capable. They might be able to beat everybody else in the East if they catch fire, a la Miami last year, but. The way things look now, I don't see them beating Denver or whoever else comes out of the East or excuse me, the West, without some additional defenders because right now they're just terrible on the wing well i i have a concern for the bucks that is not necessarily just defensive oriented um and that is the play of chris middleton who is currently averaging uh, a little under 12 points per game 
uh, four rebounds. Chris Middleton is shooting 32% from deep, guys. The Bucks are not going to be winning anything if Chris Middleton, one of their highest paid and one of their most important players, continues to shoot 32% from three. It's just not going to happen. None of it works. Chris Middleton hasn't been a good defender for three years now. A lot of that due to injury, but nonetheless, it, he hasn't been good on that end. Um, and in general, if he's not going to be able to shoot reliably and hit threes at a high clip, He's just not a net positive player, and you can't afford to have that guy be your starting small forward if you're trying to win a championship if he's going to continue to play like this. Now, he's been in and out of the lineup. They're limiting his minutes. It's been a weird season for him. I get that. But the reality is this. As good as Damon Giannis can be, if Chris Middleton isn't there to be a third option, defenses will queue up on them in the playoffs, and they will really, really struggle to do what they need to do. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I just think the defense is not a, a good at all, <laughs> to say the least. Kai, where are you at with the Heat? Who I'm sure this time last year we were saying, I don't know what they're up to, but it's not enough. And then look at them. They went to the finals. So where are you at with the Miami Heat? For me, you can't count them out. And I said it last year. I said it last year. I said it the year before. I said it the year before that. I said it the year before that. You can't count them out. I don't care who's on that damn roster. I don't care if they're drafted, undrafted. I do not give a damn. You can't count the Miami Heat out. They always find a way. Uh, I, th I think they're, I think they're more, they're one of the more impressive organizations in the league. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't give a damn if they're starting me, you, Alex, and Justin <laughs> alongside Jimmy Butler. We're going to have a shot at a title because, because it's the Miami Heat. They just find a way. So. Um, I'm like they're, they're realistically they're probably a tier below like Boston and Philly and, and Milwaukee and and, and and as they should it's really just Butler and Bam those are the only stars they have Kyle Lowry is capable of having a turn the turn the clock back game every once in a while and um but Duncan Robinson they've resurrected him mm -hmm. uh, I know he's I know he's hurt right now but Robinson has they've resurrected him. Uh, he's putting the ball on the floor now. He's throwing lobs. He's doing this. He's still shooting the three ball as if they're layups. Um, Jaime Jaquez Jr., this kid yep. was the 18th pick in the draft, and all of a sudden he's he's a rotational player for, for the defending Eastern Conference champs. Um, I, I like Josh Richardson. Um, I, I know Celtics fans don't. I know he do, really didn't do much. No, I like him. He was fine. I thought he was fine. Really, really, I, I saw Celtics fans on Twitter, you know, just complaining about Josh Richardson. So, so I mean, that, that's Derek, why Derek White is better than Josh. Richardson. For sure, of course. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, Jay Rich is a he's a he's a good player, man. I like him. Um, uh, who who else? They just find players. Caleb Martin. You know, I know Celtics fans are very very yep. familiar with Caleb Martin. Um, I believe really, really Highsmith, who they just invented I'm what sure it's, a, form, it's a computer generated 70, name i mean what are we doing here former former 76 or haywood highsmith uh so i mean again the, like that heat team i'm not counting them out they're going to be in the mix i don't give a damn what seed they are i would yeah. pick them over a lot of teams i'm really looking forward to cam shooting 45 percent from deep in the eastern conference finals uh if you've ever played basketball with cam you know what i'm talking about i <laughs> <laughs> hey, appreciate it um <laughs> And the coaching, with respect to Nick Nurse and Adrian Griffin and Yo, Missoula, Missoula the, the Heat have the advantage there. So, okay, let's do our outro, and then I have one last question for you. The question is going to be, 
right now, who are you picking for the Eastern Conference finals matchup? So let me do my outro first. You have been listening to the Celtics Lab podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. We've been talking to Kai Carlin. He writes for Sixers Fire and USA Today SMG. Kai, thanks for stopping by and give us your, it is, what's today, November the 28th? So someone put a pin in this. November 28th, who you got in the Eastern Conference Finals as of today? Celtics in the Heat. Round three. Round three. Not again. Yeah. <laughs> Intellectually, <laughs> I like it. Emotionally, I don't. I'm not strong enough. Ooh, Alex. That'll be fun. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, say round three. Celtics, Celtics and Heat. Again, I don't care what seed the Heat are. I don't give a damn. I think they're complete. It's really yeah. round four if you think even back just one year prior to, oh, to 2020. Season. Yeah. Um, I this is going to blow up completely in my face. I can already feel it. Um, I like Boston and I, I think it's the Philadelphia 76ers. I really oh, do. Wow. Um, I think Nick nurse is a much better coach than doc rivers. I believe in Tyrese Maxey. I think he's the real deal. Um, I currently have it that the Sixers survive a slog rock fight with the bucks in round two. And then, come in to face the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think it would be a really fun series, and I am very much looking forward to it. So, Oh, I am not trying to travel to Milwaukee a couple of times in a week. <laughs> Alex, don't do that to me, man. <laughs> All right, Dr. Quinn, what you got? Well, I am going to talk about Tyrese Halliburton intentionally because I think that is going to be one of the two teams along with Boston. Whoa. And I think it's going to be a very fun series. Wow. Corey Waldron is thrilled. <laughs> that's cool. Man, I didn't uh, I didn't expect that. Um, that's sexy. Cool. Uh, someone definitely put a pin in that one. Um, I think it's Boston because they're dramatically the best team in the East, even if sometimes they play like dog shit. And Alex, I'm going to go the opposite direction. I think I'm going to take the Bucks over the Sixers. But I, Kai, respectfully, I would love to see that matchup. Um, it's it, they, the way they correspond really works even if it means you have to get on a flight to milwaukee a couple times maybe it'll be a sweep maybe you only have to go once i don't know yeah right. I'm, I'm, i mean look i'm just saying that the flight to boston is easier than a flight to milwaukee all right so like flight flights to milwaukee are, they're, they're complicated the midwest man complicated i was gonna say you could be on a flight to indiana apparently i might damn i might all right well on that note kai start uh, racking up your airline points Thank you, everyone, for listening. Kai, I will see you Friday as the Celtics play the Sixers. But everyone else, uh, we will see you in the comment section and the review section of your favorite podcast app. Please like and review this podcast if you haven't. And until next week, adios.